You're listening to Guts and Grind with Siju and Sajin, making the real estate journey accessible to anyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lucky Number 13, Episode 13. Um, today, we're going to be talking about finding money to buy properties. Uh, one of our friends, Stan Thomas, brought this up in one of our previous episodes. So we thought this would be a great topic to talk about. Uh, but before we dive in, Siju, how's life, man? How's everything going? Doing good. My property brother, we're here. Episode 13. We're going to get sued, man. We're going to get sued by property brothers. <laughs> hey, at least we're cranking out episodes still, man. You know? Yeah, that's true, so, man. That's true. We're doing I, it, man. Yeah, no, it's um, all good, man. Everything's, everything's hanging tight. So um, are you getting your lawn done back there? I am, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not but, um, <laughs> he's almost done. He's almost done. He's out of the way. So Sajid, yeah, Sajid actually mentioned that before we started taping the show and he, he thought it was going to interrupt us. I'm just jacking around with him though. <laughs> but yeah, man. So like, like I said, you, I guess we could dive into the episode, but uh, money doesn't grow on trees, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard earned and, you know, we, we work hard for it. And so we want to make sure that we're spending it wisely. But yeah, there's also, um, it's printed out on paper. On paper. That paper is made out of trees. Yeah. So and who's printing it out? The U.S. government. That's right. That's right. That's right. A million dollars on the rack right now coming out. So it does grow on trees. <laughs> right now it's growing on trees, but it won't, it won't last forever. It won't last forever. Right. Um, right. But I think there's a need uh, to know, like, to be creative, right? To be able to get the money, you know, you can only save so much. Um, but I, I think, you know, before we dive into the creative ways of trying to find money to buy a house, um, how much is needed if you want to buy an investment property? And like, what am I really saving for? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Saj, so what are you saving for? Really depends on what you guys want to invest in and, and the amount. You got to have a ballpark of where you want to spend your money in, right? So are you buying a $100,000 house? Are you buying a, a, a $200,000 house? And before you get to that point, I guess most investors should understand that at the very least, if you're buying a single family home, you need to have at least 20% down on the house. And the right. reason for that is because it's not your primary home. And so banks realize that and they see that there's more risk in that. And so you have to have more than the traditional three to five that you would buy for your personal home. And, and so it, since it's an investment, it's more riskier. Um, if something happens to that house, you know, you're probably just going to cut ties with it but the bank still has to pay the note on it. So that's why they expect a little bit more down payment. And that's, that's generally about 20% for a single family home. And recently what I found out is, you know, anything that's a multi-unit, that's two or three units, you have to have at least 25% down. So it, it varies from, from, from lender to lender. Some lenders may even charge 25 for a single family, but most of them that I've seen and I've worked with, it's 20% down. And so from there, you want to understand, knowing that there, you have to have a, at least a 20% down for a real estate investment property, you want to find that pro, uh, that price range that, that's suitable for you and what you can achieve as far as savings, whether it's $100,000, $150,000, $200,000 or $200,000 home. That way you can find out, you know, if it's a $100,000 home, you need to have at least $20,000 saved up. And the other costs that are involved in that is also what condition is the house in and closing costs. So closing costs are not small. They're generally about a percent or so of the loan. Um, so you want to kind of factor that in. That's which, which is going to be a few thousand. Um, and what I've also found out is as you guys get into the real estate game and you have your preferred lenders, 
a lot of them will give you discounts on on certain lent, um, closing costs, things like that, because you work with them a lot. Um, and so those costs definitely have to be included, Close, closing costs and then possible repairs as well. So you want to make sure whatever house you're getting into, if it needs the repairs, account for that. So that's what you're actually saving for and uh, saving towards gives you a little bit of a picture on on how much money wise you should be able to save. Yeah. And so that you, you have to have a picture a paint a holistic picture of what, you know, your goal. And I always say, you know, you have to have that goal. That way, you know, where you're, you're headed, how much you need. Um, and that way you can get the fundamentals and which, you know, I know, Saad, you're going to cover this a little bit is, you know, the next step will be, how do I get that money? And that's what Stan, I think, asked or requested, you know, these investments are not small by any means, even $20,000 is a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money for me for sure. <laughs> And, and, you know, people don't just have that laying around. So how do you achieve that? Or how do you get to that point to where you can actually make that or pull that trigger? Right, right. No, so I, I'll go through a few options. Um, the first one being build a system around savings. I, I think, and, and that's the typical thing, like, you know, you just kind of, you, you have a savings account and you funnel money away to, for, you know, for a future investment or whatever it might be. So, and we actually touched this on episode three. So if you want to go back to episode three and listen to that, as far as like, how we build our systems, but um, but that that would be the the traditional standard way of of saving money to be able to buy a property, right? Um, the next option, I think, would be partner with somebody, partner with people that does have deep pockets, and if, if you could bring um, an element of uh, sweat equity, or you, you're the you're the boots on the ground where you're like looking for the property, you're managing the property, you're managing the rehab, you're doing all that stuff. There's you'd be surprised how many people are out there that are just sitting on some money, but they don't have the know-how, they don't have the, or the time. They might have the know-how, but they don't have the time to actually be the boots on the ground because they're working their nine to five job or whatever it might be. So um, search your network, you know, start asking people like, hey, you know, how are you parking your money? Where, where do you put your money for investments? Um, and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how how many people are out there just looking to invest into something. And, and I, what I've discovered, I haven't used any partners yet, but what I've discovered, there's a lot of people that want to be in the real estate game, but they're they're either scared, they don't have enough knowledge, um, and they, you know they just don't know how to dive in. So if you come in there and you say, I do have the knowledge, I, I've done the research, and and I have a general idea of how to get this thing done. I have a team built. I have a realtor that I use. I have a lender that I use. I just need money. It's it's relatively easy. It's relatively easy. Yeah, there's there's a that's a great point because there's a lot of people that have the money that's just sitting around. Again, they don't have the, the knowledge, which is what you would bring them to the table because it's, it's a partnership whenever you're, you're talking about partnering with somebody. So you, even if you don't bring the money to the table, you bring everything else to the table. So sure. that, that's, that's how that partnership will work. And that's how you'd have to play that towards, you know, whoever your investor is. So if they're bringing the down payment, just say, Hey, I know how to find the deal. I can find the deal. Uh, get it locked down, get a renter in there and, 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 you know, we can share the profits or whatever, whatever the, the agreement may be, but right. uh, that's how you would approach that. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And so, and I think it's also to note, um, don't devalue sweat equity because like sometimes it's, I, I know I've, I feel this way. Money's like cash is king and like, oh, they deserve more because they're bringing in the money. Right. But that's really not the case. Like the money's good, but it means nothing if you have nowhere to park it. Right. Nope. And so being the sweat equity, being the boots on the ground is very valuable. And so like, really, I've heard of people do 50, 50 split where one person is bringing all of the money and the other person is bringing, doing all of the work. And yeah. so, and that's very fair because like the work is not just, it's not, it's not like 
easy. Like mm -hmm. there is a lot of work behind finding the properties and doing that whole process. Right. So, so not, that's an option too. Not discounting that for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so some other options that that's, that's uh, partnering with like people in your network, right? There's also hard money lenders and private money lenders uh, that you could team up with. So I'm actually in the process of working with the hard money lender now um, just as a different option, as far as how does this work? Um, it's essentially you're getting a loan for a higher interest rate for a shorter period of time. So for example, you might, you might be able to buy a house cash with the hard money lender, but you're, you're spending like 10 or 11% interest. But the goal is you hold on to that for like six months or whatever, and eat that cost of the high interest. And then you refinance it into a traditional loan. So a hard money lender could be a way of doing it if the numbers work out. So it would have to be a situation where you're buying a house under um, market value and then you buy cash with a hard money lender and then you do some repairs to it and do what you got to do. And then it increases in value to where you could refinance on that higher value and then pay back the hard money lender and still have equity in that play. Um, to be able to do that. So hard money lending is, is, a, is a very viable option. I think a lot of people do it, um, but the numbers have to make sense. So you just be careful with that. So another way of finding money is doing a cash out refinance. And so we did this in episode nine, we talked about cash out refinances and I personally have done that. And it is amazing. Like, like it, it blew me away that one of my properties was able to buy another property. Um, and so if you are a person that has a property, whether it's your primary residence or you might have one rental property, you should really inquire about how much value is in that property, how much equity is in there and can I tap into it? Because that's like, like hidden money that you probably don't even know about. So that's another way of getting, you know, finding money. Um, there's also the option if you have a 401k, typically you could take a loan against a 401k. Um, you have to be my, like, so some of the rules, generally speaking, I think it maxed out at like $50,000. And so, but $50,000, if you could get a loan for that is um, a good option to be able to dump into a down payment for a, a property. Right. And so, for example, if you're getting a loan against your 401k at like 4%, but you know that this rental property could yield you 15%, the spread there is great. Right. So it's worth spending the money, spending the 4% to earn 15%, right? So again, the numbers have to make sense and, you know, has to be worth your while, but that's an option as far as like tapping into your 401k. Also be mindful when you pull money out of your 401k, that money's not growing in that market either, right? So it really has to make sense. Like it has to be, for me personally, I haven't done it, but it has to really, I, but I, I positioned it to where I could access that money if I need to. Um, so so here's, here's one thing, sorry to interrupt, but with that 401k, I actually look into that a little bit more. Um, and you're right, it caps out about 50,000. And that's about, I think they give you like 75% of whatever your total value is. So you have to have like $200,000 saved or whatever, and they can give you that 50,000 or, right. or, or whatever the numbers are for that. But, but what I also heard is that if you pay that money back, um, because it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially a loan, they give you $50,000, and they're charging you interest on that loan as well. So you're paying that back through your paycheck. They'll cut that out of your paycheck and put that back into the 401k. Uh, but that interest that they're charging you is actually going back into your 401k too. Right, right. That's so if it's, if it's a 4% interest or 2% interest on that loan, 
you're benefiting from that interest too, because that interest is going back into your 401k. So it's, 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 it's like the interest is going back to your pocket anyway. So it's actually a really good deal. If you ever need to tap into any money and you got a nice 401k sitting out there, tap it, you have $50,000 there available that you can actually tap out and, and it, paying that back, you're paying yourself back the interest. No, that that's very true. Like, you know, it, I think the only negative side of doing the, the 401k loan is the fact that if you pull 50,000 from your, from your account, that means that 50,000 is not in play. But if you know that this real estate deal is a good, you know, good deal to jump on, it, it'll be worthwhile. Right. So, but, but you're totally right. Like you're paying that interest back to yourself. So it's all your money anyway. Right. You're yep. basically, you're the bank, you're the bank yep. and you're paying yourself back. Right. Another option would be a home equity line of credit. Um, if you have a primary residence and you have good amount of equity in there, you could talk to any bank and they will be happy to give you a home equity line of credit. And what that basically is, is like they tap into your equity. They, they, they assess what your value is of your house and then what you owe on the house. And so the current value of the house based off of what you owe and do a percentage, typically 75 or 80% of that, of the current value is what, is what you could tap into minus uh, what you owe. And so there's another option as far as like being able to access money and again, this whole thing is an arbitrage, really. When you think about it, you're borrowing money to earn more money, right? So you might take a 4% hit here, but you're going to earn 20% there. And so it's all a numbers game. And you have to be mindful of, of what you're doing as far as, you know, is it worth tapping into this money to be able to get into this project, right? Um, you're robbing but, you to pay Paul. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, but it's, it's just, it's good to have access to these funds because sometimes we get trapped into this mindset of like, I have to save every single penny to be able to invest. And in some regards, that's true. And that's good to be that disciplined. But if you're trying to scale and if you're trying to build wealth, we have to get creative. It, it, there's no way around it. You have to be more creative in finding the funds to be able to get that. Because if it takes you 10 years to save up X amount of dollars to go to buy an investment property, as opposed to tapping into your 401k or tapping into your HELOC or whatever it might be, or doing cash out refinance, the cash out refinance or the HELOC or whatever it is, you could do that in year one. And, and that money starts turning immediately. So that means you're earning money immediately. You're, you have a property immediately and you're getting that appreciation of the house immediately, right? Whereas waiting 10 years and saving up that money or whatever whatever the time period is, um, there's, there's a value in time as well. So that's yeah. kind of, uh, those are kind of the options that I've, I've uh, researched and some of them I've used, um, but I know there's a whole lot more out there. So, you know, like keep digging, you know, I, I think the whole part of this game is continuously being creative and figuring out what are the best ways to, to get to my goals, really. At the end of the day, like if your goal is to build wealth, if your goal is to, and if that goal is through rental properties, you just have to keep digging and keep trying to figure out which ways are, are the best way to do it. So with that said, is there anything else that you want to add to you? Like um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. And I think you mentioned it. I mean, it's just being creative. You know, we, we have, you know, there's a lot of money that we have that we don't know that we can leverage right. and, and leverage it to use it better. Right. It's, you know, I, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes that, you know, when you buy a house, it's essentially like a little bank for you. You know, you, yeah. you can tap into the HELOC, which is a, the equity that you have built into the house. You can tap into appreciating it by building it up and, and, and getting it, you know, reappraised and cash out some of the refinance money out of it. Right. So there's there's a way to do it that way. There's 
the the hard money lenders, all the ones that you've kind of mentioned, and and there's a little bit of risk here and there with you know each one of them. Um, sure. Hard money lenders specifically, it's very time sensitive, but it's also a very expensive loan. So if you know it's a short term something you're gonna get in and get out of, um, it's a very good option. A lot of people do it. Um, if you just need that money quickly, just to you know just to up do some updates on a house and then do a quick cash out refi, there's options there. There's a 401k that's already sitting there. In, in your hands that you can actually leverage. So all these are all these things that we mentioned are just being creative with getting the money that you need. Um, and then as you as you build your portfolio, you're gonna snowball. It's like it's a snowball that builds, right? So more houses you get under your belt, <clears throat> the more you're gonna be able to leverage that debt. And um, you know, debt is so cheap in 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 our lifetime. It's been the cheapest it's ever been. That I think is ultimately the the beauty of of this real estate game is, you know, back when our parents bought their houses, you know, we're talking about 15, 16% interest on loans, which a majority of that was interest. So now we're talking about two, three, 4% interest on an investment loan. That's unheard of. And, and it's crazy. So it's, it, it gives you guys or whoever wants to get in this investment game, the leverage to easily get into it without, without any issues. For sure. For sure. And, and really all these things that we're telling you about, it's just um, tools, right? It's, it's different levers that you can pull. And so when you know that you have access to this lever and you know, like, I know my risk, I know everything, let me just pull this lever, access this funds, and then buy the property, right? So it's not like, you know, it's, it's not a one-size-fit-all thing. Again, you have to be creative. You have to figure out what tool do I need at this moment in time, right? Oh, my 401k is, is not um, plush enough for me to pull 50000 Let me tap into the HELOC. Or no, let me find a partner. I know so-and-so that does this all the time. Let me, let me partner with him or her. You know, like, it, it's just really, we're, we're just trying to build a framework so you know what you have access to. Because I think the limiting thing is not knowing. Like, the, the lack of knowledge in this industry is, is really what's holding people back from actually making things happen. So we hope that this was helpful. We hope that you've learned something new. Um, let us know. Do y'all have other tricks? Is there any other ways that we missed as far as creative financing? Um, leave a comment wherever you're watching this, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. Let us know what you think because we really want to know um, for our own benefit. To be honest, like just selfishly, I really want to know what am I missing because you know, like we've come across these things in our own life and like in our own research and stuff like that. But I know that there's so much more out there. So if you have thoughts or ideas, please share. Let us know because it benefits not only the two of us but the other people that are watching and reading the comments as well. Um, once again, thanks for watching, Sidju. Thanks for being a part of it, as always. Um, no we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for watching. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to Guts and Grind with Sidju and Sajin. Be sure to tune in next time.